Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty, episode number 252, week 10, observations, Dynasty takes from week 10. Man, what a week it was in the NFL. It was the first time in history that five games were decided by a game-winning field goals as time expired, so that's pretty cool. It's definitely a great week to sit around on the couch, watch the red zone as I recover from my shoulder surgery, but glad that I could bring this podcast to you again this week. I watched every minute of it, loved it. Watched the game while I was following along with my dynasty teams, and so I'm going to give you a couple of my takeaways from the week, give you little waiver wire tips as you try to beat your league mates to the waiver wire this week. And then there were only two trades that took place in my leagues this week, one of which was made by me, and one of which I'll also discuss from other teams. Let's start just with general observations. First thing that I would think about when I think back on this last week of fantasy football and dynasty leagues was what I would call the bi-week scramble. Uh, this week, that's how I'm going to remember it, the bi-week scramble, because four very productive teams were on bye weeks this week. Not, not having the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Rams, and the Chiefs players to pull from uh, left me, I don't know about you, but it left me squ- scrambling literally to the waiver wire in one league, and in two leagues actually, just to try to get uh, players that I would start in my lineups off the waiver wire. It was terrible. In one league, for instance, I was without Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Puka Nakua, my three highest scoring players. And another league was a very deep league that I'm in, a 14-team league where we start 11 positional players. And in both of those leagues, I was forced to just try to figure out what I was going to do to try to start someone. So the solution was I added Trenton Irwin off waivers, and I started him in both of those leagues. And it looked pretty good. It looked pretty smart after the first possession when he scored in that first possession. But then, man, he cooled off after that. At least I got the touchdown from him. And then one league uh, of those leagues actually added Nick Westbrook-Akina in one of those leagues and had to start him. That was not so smart because he gave me a nice goose egg. I'm definitely going to lose one of those games uh, today, tonight, if Jerry Judy scores just two PPR points. That should be pretty easy, so I'm losing that one, thankfully. And the other one, I was able to kind of carry my team. My, my other players were able to carry my team to a win. I'll be glad to have all these players off of their bye weeks, no more bye weeks. It was a pretty rough week for me. I could have won uh, in one league where I'm in first place. I also lost... Even though I was the second highest scoring team of the week, I lost to the first highest scoring team. And I know that if I had I had A.J. Brown and Puka Nakua in my lineup instead of the backup guys, would have been better. So like I said, at least these bye weeks are behind me uh, in a lot of those leagues. It was a pretty rough week from that standpoint. Next observation, I'll just say welcome back. Welcome back, Kyler Murray, and welcome back to fantasy football, or maybe the, for the first time, fantasy football, Trey McBride. Murray showed no limitations on his first week back when he carried his team to one of those walk-off win field goals that I talked about. Murray and the rest of this has, you know, has the rest of the season to prove that he's their future starter instead of a quarterback in next year's rookie draft. And if he keeps winning like he did in his first start here, uh, he's not going to they're not going to be in position to draft a quarterback anyway. Uh, he definitely had a modest fantasy day as far as the points that he scored, but it could have been way better if Clayton Toon didn't come in for a brotherly shove touchdown. Had Marquise Brown made a pretty difficult catch, but it was catchable in the end zone, and if Michael Wilson's catch would not have been ruled short of the end zone. Still, Murray looked like his old self, and that's the main thing we wanted to see. 
and he's going to make the dynasty value of all the players around him increase, which is exciting. And speaking of increasing dynasty value, man, he helped McBride have his first breakout game of his career. McBride had 28% of the target share and caught eight passes for 131 yards and became the first Cardinal tight end to have more than 100 yard to have a 100-yard game since 1989. Pretty ridiculous. McBride's dynasty value is going to skyrocket now. Um, it's, again, a reminder for dynasty managers that we need to be patient with our tight ends. Sometimes they take, you know, three years to break out like this. Uh, this year's a class. You could look at it and say, well, it's certainly the exception with Sam Laporta, especially in beginning to look like maybe uh, Musgrave. But then there's reason, too, to have hope for someone that was my favorite guy in the class, Michael Mayer, who finally caught his first touchdown this week. Cheers to you, though. If you drafted Trey McBride and you held on to him, him this whole time, I know I've seen him on and off the waiver wire over the last two years, for sure. And the only share that I have of McBride is one that I got off the waiver wire at the beginning of the season. So my time uh, is perfect, too, because in that league, I'm number one in the, I'm the first place team in the league, and I just lost Dallas Goddard. So I, bought me, I actually entertained several trades for tight ends to keep my team on top. And I just decided I'm going to give it one week and see if McBride can really break out. Well, pretty happy for me in that league. Uh, got a big win this week again and continue to be first place in the league. Next thing I'll say, I'll call it uh, Packer problems. Jordan Love, man, he's just not the answer for the Packers. And he's bringing down the talented young players all around him. All the Packers players are hard to trust right, right, right now, and no one's really emerging as the top target or the lead back. A.J. Dillon had more fantasy points than Aaron Jones this week, and this time it was Jaden Reed who led the receivers in fantasy points. Romeo Dobbs did score another touchdown this week. He's done well in the red zone, that's for sure. But he only caught two passes, the touchdown and one other one. Christian Watson, he's the receiver that really had the highest dynasty value of all these guys going into the season, and now it's just continued to fall. He's been the least productive of the three. I'm highly invested in Dobbs and Reed. I've got several shares of them in multiple teams, and so I'm glad you know, that their future looks maybe okay, <laughs> maybe better than Watson's, but I still don't start them in these leagues with any, any confidence or even play them in some of the more shallow leagues that don't even play them. Love completed just 53% of his passes against Pittsburgh, and he's only completing 58% for the whole season. On average, he has 19.5 completions per game, and when you add Luke Musgrave's uh, growing involvement, Aaron Jones being back and catching passes, that's just not enough targets to go to the receivers. If you've only got 19.5 per game, Musgrave and Jones get some. It's just not enough volume. It's Love's first year as a starter, um, so I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he could bounce back. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it is his last week, I mean, last year as a starter. In fact, I was offered Love for Travis Kelsey in a Superflex League uh, this last week, and I rejected the trade, and my comments in the trade were, I don't know if he's even their future starter. I really don't know about Love, and he's causing a lot of grief to those that really hoped that these uh, Packer wide receivers especially would really produce and, and kind of become something this year. Next observation, I'll call it a competent committee. In the Lions backfield, it was a strange reversal of how the season started, uh, but no one really seemed hurt by it from a fantasy perspective. I just assumed that David Montgomery would, you know, resume his goal line role when he came back, at least um, even if Gibbs, you know, ate into his overall role. But it was a big surprise because instead it was Gibbs that got the two goal line carries and touchdowns. Uh, Montgomery surprised doing Gibbs-like things. He did the Gibbs-like things and having a 75-yard touchdown. I don't think the roles have really been reversed. I think from now on there's just going to be no more roles, that they will be a true tandem backfield. Whichever one's in there will be in there, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. 
they trust them both the same. Uh, even so, particularly since the Lions' offense is so great, man, Ben Johnson, he's going to be a head coach next year. Uh, his great play calling has made it where both of these can still be trustable players, even though they're going to be about 50-50 split. Uh, Gives managers, though, they've got to be the ones that are most thrilled because now they see the you know designated roles really evaporate, and now they see the Lions trusting him on the goal line like they did. Um, I just need to adjust my dynasty rankings, actually. After this podcast this week, I'm going to adjust him. I, I imagine that Jameer Gibbs is going to be moving way into top five or six, getting really close to Bijan Robinson, who I wouldn't have imagined him being that close uh, a month ago. Good to see Gibbs unleashed, especially. Next one I'll call uh, filling in fine, filling in fine. Um, I've talked too much recently about C.J. Stroud, so, oh man, he's so fun to watch, but I'm not going to, I'll refrain from doing so here. Instead, what I'll do is I'll comment on how amazing one of his targets has played in the last two weeks, Noah Brown. Uh, He's looked like a superstar the previous two weeks, and his final catch and run that set up the team for their game-winning field goal on Sunday was awesome. Robert Woods and Nico Collins' injuries have definitely given Brown a, a chance to play a little bit more in recent weeks. Um, but I think now he's earned Houston's wide receiver three role, even when, when everyone's healthy. Woods will be the odd man out, um, I think. So he's had 325 yards receiving the last two weeks. Now, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. He's going to continue to be a part of this very well-coached and productive offense for the rest of the season. It's pretty rare to have a you know kind of career backup like this come out of nowhere and do so well in his seventh season, but it happens occasionally. Uh, dynasty managers who added him off waiver wires this season or maybe kept him on the rosters would be, you know, pleasantly surprised with this. You know, he's filled in just fine for Nico Collins this week, and he will keep Robert Woods on the sideline, I think, as a result. He's the new RB or wide receiver three in Houston. All right, I got to do this one. Next one is I'll say I was wrong. I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong on players, and it's time for me to do so. I was wrong with Elijah Moore. Uh, I believed all the offseason hype about his chemistry with Deshaun Watson, the various ways the Browns would use him, and maybe trade for him. I traded for him in two leagues this offseason, and that's just not gone very well for me. You know, while I did score his first touchdown this week, he's just not had the volume that I expected on his new team and with the Browns. He's averaging six targets per game, which isn't terrible, but he's only scoring six fantasy points per game. He's not seen my starting lineup once this year, and now at this point I just say I doubt that he ever will. I was also wrong on Rashad White. Um, I faded him in rookie drafts, faded him even more when he appeared to have the starting role once Leonard Fournette Fournette left for the Buccaneers. I thought that he could only be effective as a pass catcher, not an every down back. I also believed, if you follow me, that Sean Tucker would quickly replace him. Well, I was wrong on those fronts. He's carrying the load with back-to-back 20 carry games. I couldn't believe that. And he's really been a pretty consistent RB2 in dynasty lineups. While his awesome run-after-catch touchdown on Sunday was beautiful. I do still say it still bothers me that he only averages 3.2 yards per carry. But even so, put the passing together and his workload of carrying the ball, he's a 16th ranked running back heading into Sunday. And so he's making uh, making it work for dynasty managers. I was wrong on Elijah Moore. I was wrong on Rashad White. Let's do a little rookie watch. Had a hard time picking someone out because no one really busted out. But let's talk about Quentin Johnson. Uh, he had a modest breakout and scored his first touchdown of his career. He caught all four of the targets that were uh, that counted as targets. There was others that got pass interference calls. But he got the four that he did catch, 34 yards, so that's modest, but he did get one touchdown. He was outproduced by Jalen Guyton, so that's still a little bit concerning. Um, but at least, you know, he gave his dynasty manager some reason for hope. Uh, last rookie draft season, 
I was among the analysts that's definitely fading Johnston because I just didn't think that he could, could do the little things well, especially when it comes to route running. I didn't get any shares of Johnston as a result. You know, he could prove, prove me wrong, though. Sunday was at least a step in the right direction for those that have him on their teams. One more overall comment, and then we'll talk about waiver wire. I'll call this changing scripts. I've become pretty concerned, actually, about Chris Olave's role with the Saints because Derek Carr is Mr. Checkdown artist all year. It's been driving me crazy. This Sunday's first half of the game, Olave had just one target, just one. And after Carr was injured and Jameis Winston came in, then Olave was targeted eight more times, and almost all of them were downfield, including a ridiculous touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. Olave is one of my most rostered players, and so I've you know started him every single week, but not with confidence anymore. In one league, actually, when I'm really loaded at wide receiver, I actually benched him this week. I think it would be wise move if Winston, we'd all love it if Winston, you know, could come into the game and, and start. Hopefully Carr's injury lingers for Olave managers, you know. And the truth is that the Saints may not want to see more of Winston because he does some really silly things like he did at the end of that game. Couldn't lead them on that game-tying drive time and time again. But I know the one thing, Olave managers wish that Winston was their starter because he finally throw, he throws the ball downfield. A uh, little bit of concern, not long-term with Olave, but man, he was so much better last year when they were targeting him so, so far downfield. Carr just can't do it. It's pretty frustrating. Let's talk about some waiver wire. There's a couple guys I'm interested in this week and give you a chance to get ahead of your league mates and look them up. The first one that I'll mention, speaking of the Saints, is A.T. Perry. Uh, Perry has seen his playtime increase each week after seeing his first time on the field just three weeks ago. This is pretty crazy, but out of nowhere, he actually led the team in snaps on Sunday ahead of Olave, which is crazy. He scored his first touchdown again on another long pass by Jameis Winston, so nuts. Now, he got more of a chance because Michael Thomas uh, got injured. That gave him some more opportunities, but he took advantage of them and uh, could, you know, uh, could make some more of his playing time. Hopefully, the he's got the eye of the coaches after this, you know, great performance this week, and he'll get more playing time going forward. Uh, Perry won with deep balls in college. Like I said, if Jameis Winston plays while their car is hurt, he's going to get even more deep balls. Uh, Perry was drafted in almost all of my rookie drafts, but he was dropped from most rosters in leagues, that at least the ones that don't have taxi squads. I'm glad to say that I drafted him. Uh, I've got him on two of my rosters of my three leagues that have taxi squads. I've already got him on my taxi squads. That's fun. I plan to uh, add him on more of my rosters uh, this week. He's the number one target that I'm going for. Second would be Miles Gaskin. Uh, Gaskin's back with the Vikings now that Alexander Madison got concussed on Sunday. He's going to remain behind Ty Chandler uh, if he gets the team, you know, if he ends up getting the team's next start. But he's a handcuff that's, you know, backup worth rostering in the meantime. He's been on and off my roster several times this season on several rosters. I've added him, I've dropped him, I've him, dropped him. Uh, kind of like has happened in his real NFL career right now, where he was with the Vikings, went back, then went to the Rams. Now he's back with the Vikings. I don't know. He's kind of the last guy on the roster type of player all year, and so he's one that I'd still look to maybe add this week too. Talked about him already, but also maybe have some interest in Jalen Guyton. Uh, Guyton moved off the injury report two weeks ago, but really wasn't involved in his first week back. But this week he was targeted six times by Justin Herbert, caught four passes, including a touchdown. Um, you know, he's going to lose his role whenever Josh Palmer returns and, and will lose his role, you know, if Quentin Johnson continues to improve. But for a few weeks, he's got to be a player, you know, worth considering in deep leagues. Uh, he's Justin Herbert's wide receiver three for a short time anyway. And then finally, uh, kind of out of nowhere, I never heard of this guy until I was watching the games this week, uh, Tanner Hudson, tight end for Cincinnati. 
Hudson had uh, had has had two games in a row of scoring six fantasy points, so nothing great, but he's getting targeted. He's earned Joe Burrow's confidence in the passing game, and Irv Smith and Drew Sample remain ahead of him on the depth chart, but they kind of went like a third, a third, a third this last week. And Tanner's kind of starting to create a role for himself and eat into their snap counts. Uh, he led the tight end snap counts uh, in weeks three and four, which I didn't actually notice that before. And so uh, he's a player definitely worth adding, particularly if you're in super deep leagues or in tight end premium leagues. You know, you can find kind of the tight end who becomes a starter. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. So I'd only add him in tight end leagues or super deep leagues, or tight end premium leagues or super deep leagues. But for now, it's at least important to say he's on my watch list. Let's talk some trades. There were two trades that took place in my leagues this week. One was one that I made. I traded away Travis Kelsey and Jared Goff, received back Sam Howell, Jahan Dotson, Cole Komet, and Cade Otten. So a two for four trade. Travis Kelsey, the biggest piece, Jared Goff, got back Sam Howell, Jahan Dotson, Cole Komet, and Kate Otten. So this trade is is made in my 48-team league. So I don't usually uh, talk about trades that were made in this league that I'm in because, one, there are so many trades that happen in this league. And, two, it's pretty hard to explain because it's a relegation league where there's four 12-team divisions and then there's four copies of each player that you can be traded between divisions. It's a pretty complicated league. However, since I was the one who made this trade, I'll try to explain it. After losing Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones in back-to-back weeks in the Superflex leagues, I lost two of my starting quarterbacks, or, well, Goff was my other one, but I lost two starting quarterbacks, we'll say, NFL starting quarterbacks. So once that happened, I just knew my, my I was not going to get to make a run this year. So I put Kelsey and McCaffrey on the trading block, and I received several offers and made counteroffers and finally ended up, ended up settling for this trade. Um, that's what it is. It's also important to note that this is a tight end premium league. It's 1.75 PPR for tight ends. And so Kelsey routinely finishes as a top 12 player overall, I mean, including quarterbacks. So he's a beast in a league like this with 1.75 PPR. In fact, he and McCaffrey were my first two picks of the draft in this startup that started up three years ago. And I've kept them on my team, and they've helped me be in the top division of these, this uh, four-division relegation league up to this point. Uh, still, my team just not good enough to contend this year and losing those quarterbacks, so I just said it's time to sell them. Um, I sold them for Sam Howell. I was willing to give away Goff for Sam Howell uh, just because I think that Sam Howell's someone that I believe in a lot, and we're just trying to buy some years back, much younger um, Howell compared to Goff. And of course, you guys know my love for Jahan Dotson if you follow me. Terrible week this week, but I know that there's better days to come for him. And then adding two up-and-coming tight ends with uh, with Otten and Commit, I think are really going to be fine replacement for Kelsey. In this league, too, it's a little hard to explain, but we have six flex spots, essentially, because we have to start one quarterback, one running back, two receivers, one tight end, and then you've got six open spots. And so it's very made it more appealing for me to get possibly someday uh, four starters for giving up two um, in a deep league like that. As for the team that I traded with, uh, he is in the lowest of the four divisions, but he's 9-0. and And so Kelsey, really, he's targeting him to help put him over the top and make a run to the championship. And if he does get to the championship, he will be promoted to the top division and be up there with, in the league that I would say I used to be a part of because I'm not going to finish well enough to remain in the top division uh, after this poor season and my injuries. One more trade happened in my leagues this week. Again, this just gives you an idea what other Dynasty Freaks think about players. David Montgomery and Chase Claypool, that was a little throw in there with Claypool, I'm sure, was traded for Damian Pierce 
Jamison Williams and a 2024 second round pick. So Montgomery, essentially for Pierce, uh, Jamison Williams and a 2024 second pick. So man, there's like an arms race in this. Like it's our my diehard league where the top four teams have just started loading up with players and everyone else is tr trading for picks. And so one of these four teams just got stronger by adding Montgomery and yeah, try to help him in his championship run. And he was willing to give up uh, two young players, or you could say three young players if you count the uh, second round pick. The team that gave away Montgomery um, has uh, one of the top, like I said, one of the top four teams. And so he's trying to make a make it. I feel like it's a fair trade uh, given both what both managers need and what they want. Uh, we'll see, though, if Montgomery is the piece that can put this contender over the top. If I were that manager that was trying to contend, I'm not sure I would have done this, particularly because the other three teams that are really, really powerful have all been doing the same thing. And so it's going to be really hard to win a championship in this league. And I'm not sure Montgomery is going to be the piece that gets it across, but I could be wrong. You never know what's going to happen once those playoffs start, right? Indeed. All right. Thanks so much for listening. My freaky friends, you can make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than I am on Twitter or X, so hit me up that way. As I like to say, I really would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.